Hello, welcome to the Inside Scoop, everything you need to know for your student to succeed in the Cobb County School District. I'm David Owen. This episode is called Supporting Your Student with Autism, Dyslexia, or Disability. Today, we're joined by two special guests. By special, I mean they lend their hearts and expertise to our students who are challenged with special needs. One is our Director of Special Education, Ms. Susan Christensen, and the other is Cobb's Director of Student Assistance Programs, Dr. Laurel Kennard. Ladies, thank you for coming by. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. This podcast title may have caught the eyes of our listeners because they have someone in their family who's challenged by either autism, dyslexia, or some other disability. We've got 100 and about 113,000 students in the district. So about how many of those students would you say represent our special needs population? Uh, at our last count, which we did in the spring, we have about 15,000 students with disabilities that we serve in the district. Wow, that's quite a challenge, not just for families, but for the district, too, I would imagine. It is quite a challenge. Let, let's start with a parent's perspective. How would a, uh, a parent who has a child about to start school um, identify whether or not their child has a disability? Well, every school has a problem-solving team, and that team helps the parents and the teachers work through a process called response to intervention and instruction. And the team meets with the parents and listens to the parents' concerns, Mm -hmm. uh, listens to what the teacher has learned about the child, and they work through developing some research-based interventions that they feel would meet the needs of that student. Um, And Once they have determined what they think might be um, effective in the classroom, the teacher implements those and monitors the student's progress. But the team is always ready to um, meet again and discuss the child's progress and whether or not they have met their goals. And that it's that process that really helps us determine whether or not the child might need some further evaluation. And at that point, we may be looking sometimes at a special education eligibility. Okay, so with that in mind, what makes that child eligible? Well, what we would do then is conduct a psychoeducational evaluation on the child. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we're looking at several areas. We look at intellectual functioning, cognitive processing, social-emotional functioning, academic skills. And then we share that information with the parents and the school team. And it's that team, along with the parents, that determine whether or not the child is eligible for special education. Okay. So let's let's go back to that, that new Uh, that parent of a new student who's concerned with uh, his or her behaviors. um, To to go back through your answer, that basically means that if they are concerned about their child's progress in, I don't know, playing with blocks at home or what have Mm -hmm. you, then they could pick up the phone and call their school and ask for such an evaluation? Well, the first place to start would be with the teacher to express their concerns. And the teacher would then bring together that team of people. Uh, and that team generally includes the school psychologist, the school counselor, um, other special education representatives at the school that can sit down with the parent and help them de- devise some interventions that might be helpful in the classroom for the student. And we want to do that first before we look at special education, because for a lot of students, we can come up with some solutions to help them in the classroom without needing to go to special education. Okay, so there might just be some mild thing that the parent could do at home to, to mitigate whatever the, the challenge is. That's right. That's interesting. Okay, so once they're eligible, and we know that Cobb School District is going to be providing uh, special services to help this child, mm-hmm. 
What's next? Well, once they're eligible for services, then we sit down with the parent and have um, an IEP meeting, an individual education program meeting. Mm -hmm. But eligibility is also um, part of that meeting. So we have to determine that based on the evaluation that's done and the information we gather, whether the student is eligible um, for services based on the state uh, criteria for the different eligibility categories that we have here in the state of Georgia. Okay, so it's not just a matter of this child is, quote, a special needs child. It's what services specifically this specific child needs at this specific time. It sounds like a very detailed kind of process. It is a detailed process. Once they are determined eligible and we sit down for that IEP meeting, then we look at the child's strengths and weaknesses and determine, um, based on those weaknesses, what support they might need and what we would have to do as far as goals and objectives in order to help them um, be able to be successful in the general ed curriculum. So we determine those goals and objectives, and then we determine which services they might need in order to make progress. What are some examples of the types of support that a student typically might get as a result of the IEP meeting saying this child needs X, Y, or Z? Right. Well, actually, the state uh, gives us a continuum of services that we look at when we're um, sitting down with the parents and the school staff at that IEP meeting. Mm -hmm. And first and foremost, we start with the general ed setting. Can services be provided in that setting? Um, And we can have different types of services in that setting. We can have a teacher that's in the classroom um, providing uh, specialized instruction in a co-teaching model. We may have students serve in a collaborative model, which would be not more like half of the setting, half of the time in okay, general ed. L- let me jump in here. Okay. Um, you mentioned a couple of terms that might be a little bit confusing. Can you delineate between collaborative model and co-teaching? I mean, that's average person might not know uh, what's the difference. Right. And we do uh, try to explain that uh, to parents in that first meeting. That's why our initial meetings sometimes take longer because we have to make sure that a parent understands what we're talking about. So the co-teaching setting would be when um, one of our special education teachers goes into the general ed classroom for the the extended time of the period Mm -hmm. to work with our students with disabilities um, on any specialized instruction that they may require. So then collaboration is when the um, special education teacher is in the classroom, the general classroom, but usually just half of the period to help them with specialized instruction. And then the student can um, can benefit from what the teacher is teaching the rest of the time. Okay. So it's kind of a, a, a matter of intensity of support then, right? That's correct. And that's what our continuum of service looks at is intensity of support, starting with the general ed setting and then moving into a small group setting where we'd pull a student out of the classroom mm-hmm. uh, to provide more um, more specialized support. Okay. Now I interrupted you earlier, so sorry about that, but I did want to make sure we understood that part. Now, moving on from the collaborative, uh, Mm -hmm. how much farther does that continuum go? Then, um, again, looking at the services that we provide in the general ed setting, mm-hmm. then we can provide consult services, which are more like a weekly type of service to check in on a student to see how they're doing in the classroom. Okay. So all those happen in the general ed setting. And as a matter of fact, we have um, quite a few of our students are um, primarily served in the general ed setting. And that's desirable, too, right? Correct. Actually, the state would um, ask that we serve students in the general ed setting first. And so um, a couple of years ago, based on the last data we have, from the 16-17 school year, um, 67% of our students with disabilities are served in the general ed population. Okay. Now, I understand why the state would prefer that. It's probably a saving money kind of thing, but it's also, it's better for the student as well, right? Because of socialization? Not just socialization, um, but it does improve their socialization skills, but also 
because um, we want them served in the general cur- curriculum so that they have um, access to what's happening in the classroom, in the general ed curriculum. So we make sure that they're not missing out on what everybody else is being taught. Correct. Okay. That's exactly right. right. So, and continuing that continuum, sorry. <laughs> um where what's the other extreme? I guess that could be really full support for who knows what, right? Correct, correct. As we move down the continuum, we have small group where students are pulled out of the general ed classroom, um, maybe for a period a day up to the entire day, mm-hmm. um, and served by a teacher in a um, in a special education classroom. Um, but the continuum of service goes on from there to provide support in maybe special day school or special programs. Um, and then we do also, depending on the support needed for the student, provide um, home-based services or hospital homebound services, too, if we have a student who medically can't come to school. It's pretty med- medically fragile. Wow. So that's, uh, <laughs> that is a full spectrum. Correct. I mean, that's, that's you going to the student where they are and, and making sure that they're taken care of. Correct. Laurel, let me ask you a question here. We hear from parents who have concerns that their child may have dyslexia from time to time. So tell us, how does the district identify and work with those students in particular? Well, you're right. Uh, In recent years, there has been an increased interest in um, that particular reading disability known as dyslexia. And these are students who typically demonstrate deficiencies in phonological processing and have difficulty with accurate and fluent reading and also with writing. So our school psychologists um, that work in the district are, are very well equipped to assess the cognitive processing components that underlie this reading disability. Um, and then using the information obtained from that evaluation, they're able to work with the eligibility and IEP committee to uh, determine what the needs of that student are and what sort of specialized instruction they will need. One of the terms that we've heard a lot about, uh, I guess more so in recent years, is the autistic spectrum. And uh, I have have friends who say that they've got a child with mild autism, and then we see other children with uh, a more intense thing. Can you define it a little bit better for us? Right. So we do um, see students who are more mild, and and then we see students who are more severe. So on the milder end, you may have a student that just has some language difficulties, maybe pragmatic language difficulties, where they have trouble socializing and communicating with others. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not good at reciprocal communication, turn-taking, staying on, on topic, or they may choose a topic they'd rather talk about rather than interacting with someone on say, something that's happening during the day. So we have students that have mild autism and may have characteristics such as those. And then we would have students with more severe um, characteristics, which would include um, probably some behaviors that may be more extreme, uh, maybe a lack of communication, so that their communication may be more... um, acting out sometimes when something's bothering them or when they want to have their point um, be known that they don't have the language to communicate, so they may use their behaviors to communicate that. Um, Some students are on grade level academically and others may be below grade level academically. So you really do have the spectrum from students who were served in general education to those who were served in a more self-contained setting. It seems like that would be kind of hard to diagnose exactly where a student would stand. I'm sure you guys have a, a methodology for that, but is that kind of a formative thing that you guys have to do? You have to make an educated guess, so to speak, and 
then sit back and see how the IEP process plays out with a particular student? Right. When we look at eligibility criteria, we do go back to the state and look at the criteria they have. And there's Mm -hmm. some categories that we have to make sure we evaluate in to determine what is their communication like? What is their behavior like? What is their social emotional development like? Um, We rely on the psychologist to do some of that evaluation for us. Do you want to talk at all about any of the areas that you all evaluate, Laura, when it comes to a student with autism? Well, there are some pretty critical pieces that have to be evaluated in those circumstances. And we do a lot of Uh, collect background history. We look at the social-emotional development, look at routines and rituals that the child may be engaging in. We also look at some of the the language issues, um, cognitive functioning. And, you know, gathering all that information gives us a picture of where the child is functioning now. And that sort of helps us know where to begin and then plan out the educational plan from there. And really and truly, that process doesn't vary too much from an average student because you you know what to generally expect, but this specific student may struggle with a particular unit in math, for example, and you have to kind of reset and, and try teaching that a different way slightly. So you have to make adjustments for any student. That's right. You're constantly reassessing where the student is, what progress has been made, and then you know, adapting and adjusting the program from there. Yeah. We don't ever want to develop a program and have the child, you know, just stuck in that program. Right. We constantly want to constantly want to update that. Can I give you a little background on where we've come with our students with autism over the <laughs> oh, last few years? That would be wonderful. Okay, sure. great. Because I do have some statistics that I'd like to share. Okay. Just, and it's an emerging thing, right? Correct. This is not a hard, fast science to deal with. You, you guys are dealing with something that is rooted in science, but the research is still going on. Right. Back in the um, school year 20, um, 2007 and 2008, um, we actually had five classes for students with autism at the kindergarten through third grade level. Um, but this past year, actually this year, in this uh, the 2018-2019 school year, we have 79 self-contained classes for students with autism. And if you remember, I said the majority of our students with autism are served in general ed. Yeah. So we have 79 self-contained classes, but then we have a lot of students who are served in the general ed population too. Um, as I said earlier, we do serve students um, based on their needs. So we'd serve them in general ed or or more of a self-contained setting. Mm-hmm. But we do um, continue to look at um, their growth in those classes to see if they need uh, more support, less support, if they can go out into the general ed setting. Say those students who are served in the self-contained um, classes, we do try to get them into the general ed setting as soon as we can, whether it be in their specials classes for PE or for art or music, or whether we can get them out there into any of the academic classes. So we try to um, provide support and then get them in general ed um, when we can. So sometimes the student could learn how to manage those behaviors. We heard earlier that some students tend to act out if they can't verbalize uh, what their concerns are, what they wish to express. And so is it that the special needs teachers are able to teach these students how to manage their behaviors better and therefore they can they can cope? In a general ed class, is that the gist of it? That's that's pretty much the okay. gist of it. But I do want to also say that we do have other support um, teachers uh-huh. that do help in those classes. Okay. And I do want to give a shout out to them because our speech therapists um, do help with the language component. Yeah. And also our occupational therapists uh, work with a lot of those students and they help the students with their emotional regulation of those behaviors. Okay. So that they can deal with it. So mm-hmm. is this uh, someone who perhaps would sit in the classroom and... and uh, See, little, little Johnny's starting to get a little irritated and, and leans over and reminds him of 
Okay, now breathe deeply or something? Is that? Well, they would teach them those strategies that they would use uh-huh. um, in the classrooms. And we do have paraprofessional support too that may do something more of um, what you were talking about in okay. the classroom. Mm-hmm. All right. Real world stuff. I Real like world. that. Mm-hmm. I think our listeners probably appreciate that. What do you have available to support the parents of a child with a disability? Though, As a parent of a child who was disabled, um, I know that the parents themselves could use help, uh, even just in, in coping. Is there a service or any uh, support that Cobb School District provides for such parents? We do have support. We're very proud of the support that we have in the district um, through our parent mentors. We have two parent mentors in the district. Um, their names are Stacy Green and Antoinette Nichols. And uh, the parent mentor program is something that was started in the state a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we're fortunate enough to have two parent mentors that the state helps fund, but our district also helps fund those parent mentors. And so they're available for parents to speak to at any point um, if they're having struggles with dealing with um kind of navigating the special ed um, components through the, the district, uh, they parents can reach out to them at any point to talk to them. So they can be kind of like a, a parent advocate kind of thing? Or? Um, I don't know that I'd go so far as to say parent advocate, but a parent um, maybe advisor or a parent who has been through what they've been through because our parent mentors um, all, and this is a state criteria, have to have had or have a child with a disability in the district. Oh, okay. And so both of these parents, um, students have been, uh, with the district for a number of years, starting with um, preschool. And so they've been through what these parents have been through. So it's somebody that can can lend a listening ear and to help guide them as they go through their journey uh, with special education with their student. Now, there's a lot of credibility in having been there, done that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Then they are awesome. Parent mentors, that, that's wonderful. But we're talking about a a population of 15,000, did you say? Yes. Uh, Students with special needs. I know that doesn't necessarily mean that all those parents need a parent mentor helping them, but what do parent mentors do to be able to accommodate the, I'm sure, large number of parents who need help? They can't go one-on-one with everybody. Do they provide like seminars or trainings or? Yes, actually, um, we do have, uh, if people go visit the Cobb County website. We do have a special education website, which is geared towards parents. It has a lot of questions parents might ask, but on that website is also a question about how I can get in touch with a parent mentor. And so um, linked on that question and somewhere else on that website also um, is the parent mentor website. So a parent can go and look at that website and there's resources that are available for parents and also the trainings that our parent mentors offer. So they offer trainings throughout the year and there should be a schedule up on that website of trainings that they offer not only during the day, but also at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, those um, trainings are provided usually by our staff. Sometimes the parent mentors may do the trainings, but it's typically our staff members who do the trainings and they have just trainings on a variety of subjects. And uh, actually those um, trainings go out to every a parent with a student with a disability in the district through an email blast um, that the county sends out for us. And so we try to get that information to all parents. Okay, so what, give us a, an example or two of, of what kind of trainings we're talking about. Right, so probably our most um, popular training that we've done, or actually it's a um, 
it's an opportunity for parents to come and find about resources in the district um, for their students. So in January of every year, we've done something called the Community Connections Resource Fair. And this has been very popular with our parents. So they can come and we have anywhere from 30 to 40 vendors at the location. And the vendors will be um, more... Um, fun activities for their students. Um, so we have movie theaters that come that uh, will give them a schedule of when they have sensory friendly movies that they would show. We have scouting um, representatives there for um, students who may want to join those types of activities. We have um, camps for art or horseback riding, but they're all um, vendors who um, who cater to students with disabilities. And, and so parents can come and get information. Even even just having that as a resource is huge. Correct. Because anybody who's got kids is constantly looking for ways to engage those kids in something. Keep them out of trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> or give them some learning. <laughs> give them some learning. And uh, a parent of uh, children with special needs is, is no less than that, and, and yet even more challenged because not every option available to a, a child without special mm-hmm. needs is available to a child with special needs. So, not, for example, those movies. Mm-hmm. You can't simply take, say, a, a child who's hypersensitive to sounds right. to a big, booming thriller movie that the other kids would get to enjoy. So these theaters tone it down a notch or, mm-hmm. or do something to help the child cope. That's really cool. Right. And That's so our parent cool. mentors reach out to different um, companies or agencies and, mm-hmm. and have them come to the fair. But we do also provide trainings on things that would be more pertinent to a parent being able to help their child. Um, like educational uh, Right. Communication, behavior, that type of thing. Um, and one of ours that we had last year that was very popular with parents was learning about the IEP process. So we're offering that a couple of times this year. Well, it, <laughs> Any training on a government uh, process of any sort is probably welcome by the average person, but uh, certainly that's that's good to be able to make the most of your IEP meeting. Right. It, it would be good to have that kind of an insight. Right, because we want the parents' input, so we want to help them understand what the process is all about. This uh, slogan, one team, one goal, student success, that team is not teachers and educators only. It is parents. Absolutely. So that's fantastic that y'all are doing that. Listeners, you've been listening to a conversation with Susan Christensen and Laurel Kennard, two dedicated professionals serving our special needs students. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You can learn more about how Cobb serves our special needs students by visiting the district website at www.cobbk12.org and selecting departments on the menu at the top, then selecting special education. There you'll find a list of frequently asked questions as well as a whole bunch of other resources for you. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and make sure your friends know about it, too. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.